Hi, I'm Justin Rosso, and welcome to this episode of the Next Step Podcast, where we help you take a next step. Today, our special guest is Connie Denninger. Connie's one of the co-founders of Visual Faith Ministry. Today, we'll get to hear some of Connie's own personal story, her struggle with wanting, longing for more out of a Bible study and prayer life and experimenting with visual faith tools. We'll hear how that spiritual transformation in her life led her to share that with others and run experiments until Visual Faith Ministry was born. We get to hear the story of the origin and purpose of Visual Faith Ministry in general, but also of the secret code prayer. You'll find a secret code prayer on page 116 as well as on page 50 of the Come Holy Spirit Daily Discipleship Travelogue for Easter to Pentecost. You'll discover Visual Faith and Next Step Press share some common language and common values. So it's no surprise that Connie Denninger suggests we have to follow Jesus together. So I'm glad you're here as we get to sit with Connie and learn a little bit more about Visual Faith Ministry. Connie Denninger joins us today on the Next Step Podcast. Connie, welcome. Hello there. Good to be with you today. And, and where in the world are you today? I'm in Springfield, Virginia, Northern Virginia. And how's the weather in Northern Virginia? It is beautiful, sunny, and all the birds are here. Ah, excellent. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, hey, I, I am so excited to get to talk to you today on the podcast. I know you some from kind of out and about, and I've been working with Visual Faith Ministry for a couple of years, but you are one of the co-founders of Visual Faith Ministry. And would you please tell us what Visual Faith Ministry is, is all about? Yes, Visual Faith Ministry is really about bringing creative resources for visual kinesthetic learners uh, for their spiritual transformation and and walking with them in that journey as we kind of grow and learn together. Hmm. So you said visual kinesthetic learners. What, what do you mean by that? Well, we found that I was probably living in a small space by myself because what I had been using in the past as a way to process and engage with scripture or prayer, uh, there was something missing for me. And we began doing make and takes, using our hands, making things, creating things, and using a lot of visual tools in our toolbox. And that changed everything for me. And it made it not such a lonely process when I found out there were a whole bunch of other people that were created the same way. So, so you talked about spiritual transformation. What was, what was that personal spiritual transformation like for you when you started doing this visual prayer practice? I think the main thing, you know, I was a ministry wife um, and have been for 40 years, very active in the parish where my husband was serving, you know, doing all the things you do. Um, going to Bible class, going to worship, um, even leading and teaching, but just really could not figure out how to bridge this big gap to a personal devotional life. Hmm. And these tools broke open the doorways for me to find different processes that really changed my prayer life dramatically and I spend more time reading and engaged in God's Word than 
I do for the last 50 years put together. So. Hmm. Hmm. so is this is this a practice that's for people who like to draw, or how do you characterize visual faith ministry? That's a great question. I don't consider myself as someone that draws. I'm not drawn to the part of creating an image myself. I might be someone who is coloring it in, or I kind of fall into the collage artist person. So I'm not necessarily a, you know, an icon drawer or someone that's able to put together lines and shapes to make something. And maybe God is going to do that for me at some point in time, but that's just not where I am right now. But I am drawn to the the image that gets cemented in my brain by something that often it's topography, it's words in shapes or forms uh, that create sort of a recall for me about time spent in God's word or a prayer that I'm praying for someone in a visual prayer. So it's words and images together, but not necessarily something that I draw myself. Okay, so it's visual in that it, it involves images uh, or or actually, uh, I mean, the words sometimes can be a visual thing too, the written word or how you write it. Right. Uh, and it's kinesthetic because you're involving your hands and your body. And those those together go and make a reminder of your time in prayer and your time in God's word. And they help you to pray and they changed, they changed your prayer life. That's pretty awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, so you as a co-founder, along with Pat Meyer, uh, how did this visual faith ministry thing all began? What, what were the early years like for you? Well, it goes back a long time, you know, from 15 years in the parish. And we were having conversations with families about, you know, what can we do as a congregation to help you with faith formation in the home? And we were looking for specific tools to help what we heard from parents, and we just didn't find things. So we started creating our own things um, about 1996, so for a long time. And then we that just kind of kept growing, and we would do Keep the Faith events as a congregation. And one of the main, I think, beginning things was um, the understanding that we really needed to celebrate faith milestones. Mm. And so we spent a whole year celebrating baptism and creating storytelling tools that help people to tell their baptism, perhaps confirmation stories, so they had a tool and resources that they could share that story with others. So that was the early, early years. And then we um, met Sybil Macbeth, came and led a praying and color retreat in our congregation, and that kind of blew the lid off of prayer for us. And then after that was the Bible journaling world opened in 2014. And in that time frame was getting to know Pat. And we began to see that there were all sorts of people within our reach that um, had a positive impact when we shared these resources and tools. Hmm. So it was really God brought us together and has done some great things because of that. When did you first use the term visual faith ministry? When, when did you kind of uh, found that as a ministry? Well, I began using the term visual faith uh, right after working with Sybil Macbeth because I worked as her, her ambassador teaching praying in color for four or five years. And then she was kind of in that realm. And then when I met 
Bible journaling, and I was trying to find the right term that put together the big umbrella over everything we were teaching. Mm-hmm. And we just said, you know, this is just a whole visual faith process. So mm. I was using the term visual faith from about 2010 on, and then um, that became the umbrella for both prayer, time in God's word, and the projects part, which we call Keep the Faith Project. So it was the big umbrella. Our website was created in 2017, and when we formed the ministry part of it, um, launching Visual Faith Ministry. So, and you have uh, downloads for for like bulletin inserts, and uh, you just had this Abide Retreat. I was able to be a part of that. Uh, tell me about the Abide Retreat from Visual Faith Ministry. Yes, that was really a. Um, event that we were praying over, but has a um, basically a ministry that gives away all of our resources for the most part free. Uh, we just didn't have the capacity or the capital to host an online event. And so we were looking at these COVID times and really heard God's calling to do something, but we just didn't know what that was. And then I applied for and got a COVID technology grant that was given that it would be used to create some kind of online event, Christian event. And that um, gave us the ability to put together very quickly within about two months an abide retreat. So we said God opened big doors and we prayed for 150 people to find us. And we were quite surprised when it was over 900. Wow. there was a great need. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Uh, I really enjoyed what I saw there. And, and I think you know some of my history with visual faith ministry. I, I think the first time I encountered that phrase, you know, you usually learn these things through people. And the educational development consultant for visual faith ministry, Valerie Matthias, she was at a, a conference and she heard me preach. And after I preached, she shared what I now know were sermon sketch notes. And I just, I loved what she did with them, and we had a good conversation. And I remembered several months later when I was putting together my very first, in fact, it ended up being the very first thing that got published by Next Step Press, although there are a couple of things in the works before that. And I asked Valerie at a, at a pastor's conference to sit down with me and just show me a couple of the things that, that you guys do in Visual Faith Ministry that I might be able to share with people as a as an experiment for to see how they might interact with God's Word and prayer in a, in a new and kind of different way. And she shared with me the stained glass prayer and a kind of a sketch your faith thing and then the secret code prayer. And that has continued. I've used bits and pieces of these. And of course, we've done the hymn journals, and that's been a wonderful project as well. One of our best received uh, publications are those hymn journals. But then even this recent, this Come Holy Spirit Daily Discipleship Travelogue for Easter to Pentecost, there are a couple of secret code prayers in it. And, And the one that we're looking at today is on page 116 and 117. And, and actually, I mean, talk about visual faith. Page 117 is just a, you know, a four by six piece of grid paper. What was, <laughs> uh, so why don't you tell me what the secret code prayer thing is and, and how you usually teach it? Well, the early, early part of trying what we called experiments in prayer was, hmm. you know, when I worked with Sybil Macbeth, we began in very quickly to do what we called um, experiments and expansions. And 
we just kept saying to people, we'll have you try visual prayer this way. And every time we heard a reason not to do visual prayer, uh, we worked with having a created, creative doorway for people to try, try it a new way. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, with certainly honoring her great work that really led us into, that's why we decided to use the term visual prayer. So instead of praying in color, because we didn't want to use her term, because mm-hmm. that's really Sybil's term for the prayer practices, but it mm-hmm. really is the foundation for what we do. And one of the things as I was traveling around the country, going to educators conferences and talking about visual prayer, I just kept finding all sorts of things that didn't work for people. And so that was my problem to find a solution for, well, that didn't work well. So what else could we try next time? So so what kind of things were not working well for people? Uh, blank sheets of paper. Oh, okay. A blank sheet of paper. And then in the early years, we tried stencils. Uh-huh. And I found that a group... Um, that had mostly men, both pastors and professional church workers, that pink stencils did not work. <laughs> so, no, so blue stencils worked. Blue stencils but worked. But not the pink ones. <laughs> but not the pink ones. So it was always, and then, you know, we adapted that. And so also I began to find more non-gendered resources. So I started bringing rulers, protractors, even okay. compasses. Um, as the tools that helped people with a blank sheet of paper to kind of get through that first door. Yeah. But I still didn't have the right tool that centered people um, for their hearts to listen to maybe some really different things about prayer. Hmm. So I started using the four by six card because it was the, how I opened every event that I did, whether it was a, a one hour and 15 minute presentation or a three day retreat mm-hmm. was in this process. Tell us about your prayer life in a very, very intimate conversation with your heavenly father, lay it on the line, tell him what it looks like. So I had never seen this process before. I know some in our community said yet they did this back in grade school. I never saw the process, but I simply asked people to fill out the card and and you can hold a four by six graph paper index card, vertical or horizontal, and just start, dear Lord, and pour your heart out. One letter in each of the squares, no punctuation. You get to the end of the line and you just finish the word on the end of the line. And I would tell them that they this was a five minute of prayer time. Okay. So first of all, you saw people look at you when you told them you were going to ask them to pray for five minutes. And it was always sort of a, a deer in a headlight kind of look because that's that's already scary, you know, yeah. going to ask you to pray for five minutes. And I would say as a whole, people were very surprised when five minutes was over. Hmm. And I never asked people to share what they wrote on their paper. You know, that was theirs. They were going to leave with that prayer. It was not to be read by anybody else. Um, But really asking the Holy Spirit to come and let their heart hear um, what they needed to hear about prayer that day. And so some of the responses were, you know, it's always really fascinating, but I think across the board, the common uh, responses 
from people were they could not believe how fast the five minutes went. Uh, the second thing was common to hear that um, they put things on paper they had never <laughs> put on paper before. Yeah. About sort of this confession about the reality of their prayer life or mm-hmm. non-existent prayer life. And we always got feedback from the English teachers who freaked out about not having <laughs> punctuation and the running words. So, you know, we always predicted we could call. So we was going to be mortified by it. But, um, so we, but we found out something happened in that simple experiment. I would call it that was the doorway into listening ears about prayer. Hmm. They just got out of the way. You know, this is the confession about my prayer life. This is the reality of what it is or is not. And Lord, meet me here today. Hmm. So I think things are received differently from people when you allow them that space um, for the Holy Spirit to come in and work. So I believe that the secret code prayer is basically it's a door opening to the Holy Spirit mm. in a prayer conversation. It certainly is a different kind of practice to slow down and only do one letter at a time. You can't pray quickly. You have to kind of slow down and meditate. Uh, I find when I do it, I can't use big words because I don't know how to spell them. So I, I mean, you have to be a little bit more simple, a little bit more straightforward. And uh, it is a different kind of a different kind of experience. I think it's no, it's no coincidence that I'm using it on a day when you're inviting confession, because that intimate kind of personal, you're putting something down you don't want anybody else to know. And to write it in this form where, you know, someone who happens to be sitting at the same table with you or walking by while you're doing your devotion, they're, they're not going to see, be able to tell right away what you're writing. You know, it, it does feel more intimate when you write it in this form, I think, too. So, so you're doing this with teachers and with pastors, and, and t- tell me a little bit more about how, how these people responded to the secret code prayer. Yes, and so part of what was happening, I was back in school working um, at Concordia University Chicago on a master's in church and community leadership, and so all of these events became research for me. Mm. And one of the things that I was doing in my um, ability to be with all these professional church workers and then in parishes working with church workers and lay people and families, you know, I would ask them, you know, so on the back of this, they would always get another um, index card, a blank one. And that this is the one that got turned in to me when I was doing my resource research. And I said, tell me what your three stumbling blocks are for your devotional life. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was really over five to six years of collecting data. And the, it was just amazing that the common denominator of the challenges for people across the board, from pastors to the church workers to the lay people in the pews, was the challenges were how to slow down, pay attention, and deal with the distractions. Hmm. And once we saw what the common denominators were for what we were trying to do in visual faith ministry, then it made sense that a tool like the secret code prayer or a graph paper, you know, introduction to prayer met um, all three of those things because you have to slow down, you have to pay attention and it helps you to deal with the distractions. So the other data came first. 
So I was looking for a tool that I could introduce to people as we began to talk about visual faith practices that would help them slow down, pay attention, and deal with distractions. Mm. And, and when did you first start calling it a secret code prayer? Uh, I didn't. So um, I just called them graph paper prayers. And then um, I had done an event in Michigan. Actually, it was one of um, my classmates who was a fourth grade teacher. She, it just, This just blew her world open. And she went back and she stopped at the, she left the retreat and stopped at a dollar store and hmm. bought graph paper index cards and started this prayer practice with her uh, fourth graders the very next, you know, Monday. And then later on... With fourth graders? With fourth graders. Okay, so, so this is effective with pastors and church workers and lay people and fourth graders. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. you know, any... I would say probably, you know, third graders on up, you know, basic language things, you know, basic spelling. But so then I got a report back from her about four to six months later. And she said, I'm just wanting you to know this has ha transformed our Monday morning homework time because she began having them draw out their, um, you know, making their prayers on index cards. She said, everything in my life about prayer is on index cards. And then she would, what she was really instilling in these students was the space to have prayer conversation that was private because she said, I saw what was really missing in my classroom was we were doing memory work and we were reciting scripture, but I wasn't instilling in the students a, a practice that allowed them to have a prayer conversation. You mm. know? And she said their desks were in the classroom where it was you know, four desks together and they were facing each other. And she said it was one of her fourth graders who said, I like this prayer, and she would have them do this prayer every Monday morning. And then she began using it before tests. Mm. That before every big test, she would give them this, the prayer space to talk to God about what they needed to say before this test. Mm. And so it was a fourth grader who said, I love these cards because they're, it's like they're secret code prayers, and no one can see what I'm writing, even if they're seated right next to me. So that's how it began. I don't know the name of the young man Oh wow! who well, called it Secret Code Prayers, but it's been that ever since. Well, if you if in fourth grade you were introduced to uh, graph prayers and called them a secret code prayer and you're listening to this podcast, please let us know. We would love to uh, <laughs> get in touch with you and hear your side of the story. What a wonderful thing. And a child shall lead them. A fourth grader named yeah. the secret code prayer, the secret code prayer. That's that's great. Uh, mm -hmm. Connie, I, I love this. Your emphasis on on small experiments and, and getting people kind of out of their own heads. Uh, you call, said experiments or expansions. If this isn't working, let's try something else. That that attitude, and and your focus on formation instead of just information. Uh, could why why are things like small experiments or formation? Why is that important to you personally or or to visual faith ministry? That was also part of what we were um, learning and studying together in the early years. Was just that n none of us are created in the same way for. Um, how we connect in our spiritual life, what is meaningful to us, and that we all had what we call our own spiritual IEP plan. So IEP, what does that stand for? Individual Education Plan. Mm. So 
I think we often get discouraged because we see some someone over here doing something, but you know that just doesn't relate to who you are, and yeah. then you stop. So we really believe in visual faith ministry that our job is to help show people um, if, if you're stuck, you know, our question is, well, have you tried it this way? Hmm. And then, you know, it, it's the multiplication table story. So um, in third grade, you have to learn your multiplication tables. And, you know, Johnny doesn't tell his teacher, well, I'm not going to learn them. You know, this doesn't work for me. <laughs> and the teacher comes back the next day and she says, well, Johnny, you know, have you tried Try doing it this way. And she'll come back every day asking that question, have you tried it this way? And I think that's what we do um, in our ministry is we just help people um, to see that not every way connects to every person, Mm -hmm. but there's always another possibility, um, you know, to experiment with. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, uh, I mean, that's one reason I love partnering with Visual Faith Ministry, some of the values you hold just align so well with what we're trying to do at Next Step Press. I mean, we're trying to help people delight in taking a small next step following Jesus. And that means we got to be prepared to say, well, have you tried it this way? Well, have you tried it this way? Well, if that didn't work, how, how about this? And and uh, I found that something even that works for somebody doesn't always work. It worked this time and it might work next time. And then it might not work nine times later. So then you got to be you got to be willing to let things go to keep looking for what's going to help you discover what Jesus is speaking into your life and what next step the Spirit is inviting you to take. And Really, if you can get that sense of adventure in following Jesus, that 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 comes through in your story too, Connie. That there's this kind of sense of um, excitement and exploration, and it's it's a journey of discovery that you've been on. I I guess I wonder because you have had this own personal transformation in your story, and then you've researched and had a chance to help other people kind of go through some of that transformation. If there's somebody that's that's looking for that kind of a change that has been discouraged that their prayer life or, or their interaction with God's word has not been what they hoped it would be, uh, what what kind of word of encouragement would you give to someone that's just starting out wanting to, to transform their prayer life but has, have not been successful doing that yet? Well, the other big thing that you know we found out in our research, the number one um, stumbling block um, was not finding community. Mm. Um, because it's so easy to get sidetracked or stumble or discouraged. And I think that's why the community of believers in visual faith ministry is is always there to prop up your hands and arms and to bring Mm. encouragement saying, you know, don't give up. You know, have you tried it this way? So we really learned that spiritual formation processes, um, even though they're often done in personal, private practice, they are best done uh, learning in uh, the collaborative learning community where um, it is not a solo practice, even though you might be doing some of these things, especially during COVID times, Hmm. much more isolated than uh, we would like. But they're always done because God's shaping something in you for the sake of others. Mm -hmm. And we figure that out a little better when we're in community. Around here, we like to say, we follow Jesus better when we follow him together. And I, I think you guys embody that. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And I just heard you reference, I think that's Robert Mulholland's invitation to a, to a journey. A yeah. spiritual formation or discipleship is the process of being conformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others. So it's a process. Um, yeah. If you've been on it for 30 years or 50 years or five years, if you're just starting to try to figure out what it means to take a small next step following Jesus, be encouraged and find somebody to follow Jesus with you. And if someone would like to try some of these visual faith practices, visual prayer practices, if they'd like to be a part of the visual faith ministry community, what are some ways that they could get connected to you, Connie? It's easy to find us on Facebook. We have a, a Facebook group, Visual Faith Ministry. Um, and check out our website, visualfaithmen.org, where all these resources are almost 2,500 resources, everything from prayer cards to, I think, Mother's Day cards are up. Hmm. Um, then we also have um, all the resources that help worshiping communities with either children's bulletins and things that follow a, a liturgical calendar year. So find us all those places. And Instagram. And Instagram. Yep. And Pinterest. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, I will certainly have links to all that in the description of this podcast as well. And uh, it, that reminds me kind of hearing you talk about that, that uh, this, this focus on having some kind of physical, tangible, record or reminder of your time with God is wonderful as an individual. And one of the things I've learned from you guys is that it becomes a way of sharing your faith with somebody else too. So I've done like the stained glass prayer and put my daughter's name in the middle and and done prayed for her and been able to share that prayer card with her. Uh, instead of writing, just writing a thank you note to Valerie Matthias for her help on the hymn journals, I, I did a secret code prayer, uh, or maybe that was a stained glass prayer too, but I mailed that to her. So she had actual physical concrete evidence of my prayers of thanksgiving to God for her. And that became a really meaningful conversation starter. So thanks for, for framing it that way as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I, I had one thing I wanted to check with you on, on page 116 when I'm describing the, the secret code prayer. It sounds like I describe it much the way you do because I was taught by somebody that you taught. So that makes sense. But I think I'm innovating. I think I'm going off the, off the ranch here, uh, off the reservation in one area. At the very end, after you, it's step four. So step three is when the timer goes off, finish your thought, add an amen and stop. So you're going to pray for five minutes. And then I added this step. Number four, reread what you wrote, slowly praying once more. And I added that for two reasons. The first is because in this particular chapter, you were praying a prayer of confession, and I wanted that to kind of sink in and give them a chance to then experience forgiveness. And so number five is going to be uh, experiencing forgiveness, which would not be for every secret code prayer. But when I use the secret code prayer, I actually suggest you might run an experiment and try rereading it because when I did this, I found that when you reread it, you can't reread it quickly either because it's, it, you know, there you, there's no commas and periods and you have to, again, slow down and focus and you get rid of distractions. And I found praying it through a second time is almost as helpful as the first time. So I added that. And I so I'm checking in with going right to the horse's mouth here. Should I get rid of that? Or do you think it's okay if I add that as an option? That That's great. And one of the things we always tell people, so... We tell people on their cards, date it, put it in your Bible or a journal or something, and 
you know, come back to that, you know, look at it in three months and see, you know, if the spirit has moved you or if you're seeing something new being lifted up in that prayer. So, hmm. yes, rereading it, um, coming back to it, um, because the Holy Spirit's working in our lives where we can't even see him. So yeah. perhaps what you put on that piece of paper was also the beginning of revealing something you didn't even know he was already working on. Yeah. Yeah, wonderful. Thanks. Thanks for that. Connie, I so appreciate the conversation today, and I have just enjoyed getting to know Visual Faith Ministry people whenever and wherever I have gotten to a chance to work with them, and you are no exception. Uh, I wonder if you would mind uh, praying for Next Step Press and for Visual Faith Ministry as we close our time together today. Would you please lead us in prayer? Yes. Thank you. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, you know all the ways that you are working here on this earthly kingdom of yours. And you find times and places where people are put together in the journey. We give you thanks and praise for bringing together Visual Faith Ministry and Next Step Press. And especially for Justin as he's stepping out, um, trying to help others take the next step. We don't know all the ways that you might move and work together as we work to seek your will in our lives. May it be a blessing to both ministries and to all of those that we touch. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for the conversation today, Connie. You're most welcome. Thanks, Justin. That was Connie Denninger, one of the founders of Visual Faith Ministry. Well, to help you take Connie up on her invitation to find a community to help you follow Jesus, I'll link to the Visual Faith Ministry Facebook group, to their webpage, to their Instagram and their Pinterest page as well. And I'll also link to the Next Step community online. To help you run an experiment and find your own spiritual IEP, your individual education plan, I'll also link to some of the resources that Visual Faith Ministry and Next Step Press have produced together as well as to Sybil Macbeth's Praying in Color. Remember, there's no single silver bullet. There's no quick fix to finding a new and transformative prayer life. But there are things you can do to run a small experiment with somebody else on your rope as you follow Jesus together. Thanks for joining us today. I'm so glad that you're a part of the Next Step community. You help me run experiments in following Jesus. And I hope our Next Step community can do the same for you. I'm Justin Rosso, and we'll see you next time at Next Step Press.